Uh, this morning, we are going to continue in the series that we have been throughout the summer, the series called Exiles, as we are spending the summer walking through the book of First Peter. And uh, we are asking this question throughout this series, what does it look like to live for Christ in a world that is often hostile toward faith? All right. What does that look like? It's something we have to wrestle with. Uh, and I would say, if you miss any of the messages throughout this series, just a reminder, you can always go back and watch messages. You can watch them on our app. You can watch them on zchurch.org. But we also have podcasts available. Go to Apple, you go to Spotify, wherever you want, listen to podcasts, go follow that. You can go ahead and catch up with the message because as we walk through a letter, how many know it's nice to know what's actually coming next? So if you miss a Sunday, make sure you go back and listen to those messages because it helps. But speaking of sermons, I got a question for you. Have you ever left a message and thought to yourself, I have no idea what they were talking about today. Let's <laughs> be honest. You ever had that moment like, what, what, what was he trying to say today? You ever had those moments? Now, sometimes, uh, sometimes it's just straight up bad preaching, okay? Let's be honest. You've heard bad preachers before. You know, like I've heard lots of bad preaching in my life. I've been in church my whole life. Like what... It, I don't even think he knows what he's saying today, let alone do we know what you're trying to say today, okay? I hate that. So for that reason, I, I work really, really hard. Just know that. I don't ever come up here and just kind of make stuff up as I go along. I've worked very hard every time I come up to preach to make the scriptures clear, to help you connect to them and make sense. Okay, how do I apply this thing to my life? I work really hard at that, okay? But there's other times when we leave and we have no idea what happened because it's honestly, it was us. You ever been in a message? You're just distracted. You walked in thinking about a thousand things or your phone's blowing up, right? You're just distracted by what's going on. Or honestly, you're just tired and you're kind of falling asleep the whole time. You ever had that happen? If, you, if you're not willing to say yes, I'm gonna just confront that because there's many of you. <laughs> there's honestly, it's hilarious on Sundays. There's times where you can see somebody's trying to stay awake and they're just like, I wish I had things sometimes. I just kind of want to just pop them at people, you know. But that happens. I've done that. But I've fallen asleep, whatever, you know? I used to, actually, when I used to preach at our previous church, there was, a, there was a dude, he was in his 80s, cutest guy, and he would fall asleep every time. Third row, just, just out cold the whole time. Like, there he is, just getting his nap in. <laughs> so great. Okay, but that happens sometimes. But sometimes it isn't because it's bad preaching. Sometimes it's not us that we're distracted. Sometimes the topic is just more challenging and it requires you to lean in a little bit. And this is where we're gonna find ourselves today, all right? Today, I'm just warning you, is gonna be a little bit more theological. And it has to be because of the text that we're looking at today. Okay, we're gonna have to work a little bit today. And so I need you to lean in because the passage we're gonna study is going to confront a pervasive and often toxic view of Christianity and faith. And I would guess that if you grew up in the church or you've been around the church for a long time, it's probably the view that you've been taught. And so today, my desire is to paint a grander picture of what it means to have faith in Christ. And this grander picture is actually what Christ is inviting us into, okay? So you're ready to work a little bit this morning? Ready to lean in a little bit, okay? All right, if you got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse number 4. Would you stand with me across the room? You're going to want to have your text. So if you don't ordinarily have your Bible open, you're going to want to have it open today. Open it up on your phone if you need to. We're in NIV reading together. Beginning in verse 4. Read a few verses together here. It says this, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also... 
like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture, it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Jump down to verse number nine. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Would you put your hands over your heart? Father, we thank you that you wanna speak to us today. God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, give us hearts that are open to hear and receive your word. God, I pray that the truths of today would transform the way we live, the way we see the world, the way we see ourselves in your kingdom. Would you do that for your power? In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Well, I'm gonna start just for a moment. I wanna play a little game with you, okay? We're gonna play a little game, all right? So I need you to be involved here. I'm gonna put up a picture. It's gonna be a very a very zoomed-in picture. And you're gonna have 10 seconds to turn to your neighbor and try and guess what the picture is. And then we'll open up and see the full picture so you'll know what you're actually looking at, okay? And I'm gonna just tell you, the first, first couple pictures are things that you might find in a kitchen, okay? I'm gonna say that. So put the very first picture up. Here we go. You got 10 seconds. Turn to your neighbor. What do you think this is? What do you think it is? <laughs> Three seconds. All right, throw the picture up. Okay. Did anybody get it right? We got somebody got it right over there. Anybody else get it right? We got two, three, there you go. All right. All right, next one, same thing. Okay, what is this? It's a wood chip. There you go. Lots of wood chips in the kitchen. Okay. Five seconds. All right, put up, what is it? Cinnamon sticks. Anybody get cinnamon sticks? We got some cinnamon sticks. A few more cinnamon sticks. All right, this one you might find outside. This one might be outside. Put the next picture up. See if you can figure out, outside. Five seconds, five seconds. All right, what's the picture? Oh, oh. How did that get in there? If you didn't know, that's my wife and my baby girl right there. Oh, love them so much. Okay, we're done with the game. All right. <laughs> my tech guy this morning said, you're just trying to get brownie points, aren't you? Yep, I am. That's fine. Okay, so we're, I want to do one other thing with you real quick. Okay, we're going to do something, an exercise. Everybody's got to do this, okay? This isn't just for the kids, all right? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to make little, like, little binoculars here with your eyes, with your hands though. Okay, real small though. Okay, they can't be big. Okay, get your hands up real small. And then I want you to put it together like it's a telescope. Remember when you were a kid and you are pretending like you're a pirate? Okay, real small though, okay? And I want you to look around the room like this. Try and, try and look around the room. We can barely see anything. You know what I'm saying, right? You all look real funny right now. <laughs> this is great. Okay, just imagine, imagine for a second that I made you do that all day long. Like this is how you have to live your life. The whole day, you got to live it this way. You can only see just teeny pieces of it. 
okay, why am, I, why am I doing all this with you guys? Because this is how we are often taught about faith in Jesus. Okay, what's the normal understanding of the gospel? What's the normal understanding that gets taught to kids that oftentimes in churches, this is all we hear. We are sinners and our sin separates us from God, but God so loved the world that he sent his son, Jesus, John three sixteen, and Jesus came to earth and he died on a cross for our sin. And if we invite Jesus into our hearts, right? We invite him into our hearts, we can be saved. And this can give us the confidence that we get to go to heaven when we die. And I just want to say this, everything that I just said is true when understood correctly and in its context. But just like trying to look through the world through your hand telescope, it's incomplete and can cause you to miss the bigger picture of what's going on and what you have been invited into. See, one of the biggest issues with the the view of faith that I just painted for you, that little picture of what faith looks like, one of the biggest issues is that it makes everything about you. Fundamentally, this view doesn't lead us to God's story. What does it do? It's all about our story and how God is centered around me and what I've got going on. It's as if we put God into our pocket like he's a genie to make everything better in our life. But the gospel is grander than that. It is bigger than that. It might sound good for everything to be about you. It might feel like, oh yeah, that's what I want. It's all gonna be about me. But our world is full of depressed, unhappy, and unfulfilled people who have been trying with no success to make everything about them. That's not good news. It doesn't satisfy. It will never satisfy. And that is not what Christ is inviting us into, all right? And so it's with this foundation that I want us to look at the text for today that we have together. And so I want to give us a context reminder. If you haven't been around yet this summer for for this series, I want to give you the context. Where are we at? This is a letter. The book of 1 Peter is a letter written by the apostle Peter to a group of believers who are dispersed around and they are living out, trying to be faithful to Christ in a world where it's really, really hard, right? They're oftentimes, they're experiencing persecution. They're they're kind of the outsiders. They're the outcasts of their area, right? That's why we're using this title, Exiles, because Peter refers to them as exiles. This isn't your homeland, right? Your temporary residence. Don't worry. I know you feel like an outsider. It's okay. You kind of are right now because this isn't your eternal homeland. And so Peter begins to write this as an encouragement. And back a couple of weeks ago, we had this message talked about the living hope that we have in Christ. This living hope that we have that's available to us. This inheritance that we have in heaven that's in store for us. It's this powerful word that's available for us. And then last week, if you missed last week's message, he starts to challenge him a little bit, right? He challenges him. He's like, listen, you've got to live in response to that. You can't just, oh, just receive. Oh, I'm just so happy. I have all this good stuff. No, no, you've got to change. There's something that has to happen in your life in response to the good news that you've accepted. And there's this challenge to be holy, to live separate, to live purified, to live different than everyone else does. And then we get to the beginning of chapter two. And I want to bring this passage up on the screen. Chapter two, Peter says this, therefore, Rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. That'll preach by itself right there, okay? Because honestly, Peter's just saying, grow up, people, okay? 
You gotta grow up. Like the point of faith, there's a lot of believers. There's a lot of believers that came to faith. Yes, Jesus saved me. And they're still babies. They haven't stepped in. They haven't dug into God's word. They haven't said, how does this need to transform my life? How do I need to step into what you've got? No, no, we're just babies saying, no, you can't do that. You gotta put away some of this kind of stuff. You've gotta pursue, right? Crave the right stuff. I mean, no, we crave a lot of stuff we probably don't need. We crave a lot. We pursue a lot of stuff that's actually taking us the wrong way. He's saying, crave the right things. And then we get to the passage we look at today where he talks about living stones and he talks about spiritual houses and priesthoods. And and it honestly can be a little confusing. So what I want to do is I want to break these images down. I want you to understand the power of them. And as we do that, I think it's going to begin to paint a larger picture, okay? So you ready to lean in still? All right, say, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, bump your neighbor. Tell him, I'm ready. All right, here we go. Here we go. What's this whole living stones thing about. Uh, There's actual context to this whole idea that's over 600 years prior to Peter even writing this letter, because there is a prophet named Daniel. How many know Daniel in the lion's den? It's that Daniel. That Daniel, he interprets a dream for a king, okay? And, And in this dream, it speaks of a kingdom that would ultimately come and conquer all of the other kingdoms of the world. And this kingdom then would fill the entire earth up. And this kingdom that eventually fills the whole world is represented with what? A stone. It's a rock, not cut by man's hands, but cut by God. And generations and generations, hundreds of years of Jews were believing for this day, this kingdom that would come, right? This new kingdom, God's kingdom, not man's kingdom, but God's kingdom that would be established. And then Jesus shows up. And what does Jesus come preaching? He comes preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Over and over, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is here The kingdom of God is here. It's near. I am ushering in this kingdom, this reign, this rule, God's rule on earth. And Peter is beginning to use that idea, that picture to say, hey, this Jesus is that rock, that living stone. And it goes on in the passage. It refers to him as the cornerstone right? He is this one. He is this foundation of this whole new way of doing things, this new kingdom that has come. Now, why do I think that little detail and that symbolism matters? It's because this, the starting of the gospel, the starting point is not us. The starting point of the gospel is all about him and his eternal kingdom, okay? And if you are speaking the gospel and think about the gospel and it never is in reference to his kingdom, then you have a very, very diminished view of of what the gospel really is. It's so much grander than that, okay? And trust me, in the end, you will see it is so much better than that. I want you to write something down if you need to, but write this down. We don't invite Jesus into our story. Jesus invites us into his story, okay? 
We've got a lot of believers that want to invite Jesus into their circle. Oh, come, yeah, come wash my sins. Come make me new. Give me a brand new beginning. Come make my life better. Come fix my relationships. Come fix my marriage. Come do all those things. Will he do those things? Absolutely. But he's not asking you to invite him into your story. He's asking to allow yourself to be jump deep end into his story and what he's doing in the world. The gospel is good news. It is. There's so many good things. It will impact your life, but we tend to make it about us. And until this truth, this reality, until that gets a hold of you, you will constantly be making the gospel about you. You will constantly be only responding to the things that are comfortable to you. When, when his word starts to meddle with you and what you're doing or the way that you think, you're like, well, I don't agree with that. Guess what? When you've invited Jesus into your story, when you say, hey, Jesus, I'm gonna kick you out of this part because I don't agree with you on this one. But when you recognize you've been invited into his story, then you say, whatever you have, Jesus, I'm yours. I'll take it. Whether I like it or not, God, I'm yours. I'm putting myself into your story. I'm not asking you to come be a part of my story, all right? This is fundamental to the God. This is the starting point, right? This is what so many believers miss. And I wanna challenge us that we have the right mindset, okay? So that's the first image, this living stone. But I wanna explain two other images that we see in this passage. Uh, but before we do that, I gotta get a little country with you. How many like country music out there? Raise your hand if you like country music. My wife has gotten all high up on the country music lately, so we're listening to country music all the time. It's great, okay? But there's a word that I associate with country or southerner. Um, I, I have family that grew up in West Virginia, so it definitely came out of their mouth sometime. And the word that I associate is this, y'all, okay? I mean, you, you know what y'all is. You, you know y'all? All y'all, right? Y'all. Uh, y'all is the uh, plural uh, of you. It is you all, right? You all. That's all y'all is, okay? Now, why am I teaching you this word this morning? Because we are Americans, and we tend to be very individualistic, all right? So when we read Scripture, when we hear these words spoken to us, and the Scripture says you speaking to us, we hear that as me, I'm hearing this for my, this word is just for me. And it becomes my personal faith and my, all these kind of things. And, and, and I just will say this, that yes, faith must be individual. Like you can't live off somebody else's faith. Like you can't. Okay, and somebody needs to hear that this morning because students, you might still be living off mom and dad's faith, right? Some of you adults are still living off of your parents' faith, right? This has just been a tradition. This is just something you do. The faith has not come alive in your heart. This must be real. It must be personal to you. Okay, but we have not been invited into an individual faith and just a personal faith. No, in scripture, more often when the word you is written, it means y'all, okay? Y'all. It's not just you individual, it is y'all, this corporate body. We have been invited when we come to faith, we've been invited to be a part of a community right? It's the body of believers. We are the body of Christ. There's a grander picture than this, all right? And so Peter is going to make some declarations about y'all in this passage that we need to get a hold of. And it hopefully can begin to transform this perspective that we see what we have been invited into as bigger than just me getting saved, 
All right? All right, so I'm going to write a, I'm going to give you a couple things you might want to write down, all right? There's two declarations he makes. Number one declaration is this. Y'all are God's temple. Okay? Y'all are God's temple. It's not just you. Y'all are, all right? Verse number five says this. You also, y'all, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Spiritual house. Okay, if they go into the Greek, it, it actually means a temple or temple of the spirit is what's actually being written there. Y'all are God's temple. See, from creation, from creation, God's desire is proximity to his people. This is a mind-boggling concept that we would understand this. You go back to the garden, Adam and Eve in the garden. Oftentimes, you know, different people will look at that and actually call it the garden temple because at the end of this thing, it's like he sets up a temple with, with this garden. And at the end, he's ruling over this garden, right? And, but in the garden, what do we see? We see the God of all creation walking in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve, right? There's this intimacy. There's this proximity that God desires to his people, right? Okay, then we go on, right? And there, sin enters the world, but God wants nearness to his people. So what does he do? He establishes something called the tabernacle, what is the tabernacle? It's this tent that gets set up. It's a place where they had to do a lot of things to make sure that it was clean and, and purified and all that stuff. But when they did it right, okay, the, the presence of God resided in that temple. And where was the tabernacle at? It was literally located in the middle of the people. All the tribes were supposed to set up around this tabernacle. Why? Because God's desire is to dwell with his people, amongst his people. And then we get to the temple and there's all these things. Hey, you got to build the temple like this. got to look like this, all these things. But God's desire is to dwell amongst his people. And then we get to John chapter one. You know what it says in John chapter one about Jesus? It says he tabernacled amongst us. The God of the universe set up tent amongst his people. Why do we call him Emmanuel? God with us right? The God of the universe desiring to be with us. And so we get to this passage and what is Peter saying? He's saying, y'all are God's temple. Y'all are. He dwells among, not just you, he dwells among y'all. This group, this body of believers, there's something crazy that happens. And Paul goes on to talk about this in 1 Corinthians. Pull that one up. 1 Corinthians he says, don't you know, don't y'all know, that's what he's saying there, that y'all yourselves are God's temple, and that God's spirit dwells in your midst. You together are that temple. Okay, what am I trying to say here? I want you to understand the magnitude of this. You, the individual, you are a living stone in God's supernatural temple that he is building, okay? If you follow Christ, you are a follower of Christ. You don't just attend church once a week, okay? You know, number one, you are the church. We talk about that all the time. It's one of our three core values. You are the church. There is no them. We are the church. Y'all are. We all are the church, okay? We get that, all right? But even more than that, God's presence dwells in our midst in a supernatural way. We are this temple of the Holy Spirit. We are a temple of the living, almighty God. And some of you think you don't matter. You think, I don't really matter, right? I show up to church. I'm not one of the people up on the stage, so it doesn't really matter, right? Or you're like, you hide in the back. You sneak around. No, no, no. You have to understand Everyone matters because we are all stones building this temple that is eternal, that is supernatural, that God has invited us into. 
This is a crazy thing to understand. That's how important you are in this story. And this is why, hear this, this is why Peter and Paul in his, in his books talk so much about the idea of holiness. Listen to this for a second, okay? Why do they talk so much about holiness and purity? I think a lot of times you say, well, I just gotta be a good Christian, right? That's what it means. Like I should be pure because that's what it means to follow Jesus. I'm a pure, no. You have to recognize that it's not just that. Being pure temples for the presence of God, that's what it's about. So you're a stone in this temple. And if we wanna have this temple be built and it's pure, it's a place where the presence of God dwells, then how I live my life doesn't just affect me, it affects the body of Christ. Like I'm a part of something that's bigger than me. Like and part of something that's supernatural, that's grand, that's huge. I've been invited into. And so my holiness actually affects my brothers and sisters. It does. So he's calling us. He's not saying bad people, stop being bad, stop doing bad. No, no, no. Be holy. Be, be the place that God dwells. Be that, live up to that level. That's what he's inviting us into. It's crazy. It's mind-boggling to even think about this. It is so much bigger than ourselves, but our stone actually impacts the temple. We are valuable. We are critical. This understanding is y'all are God's temple. It's not just you and your personal relationship with Jesus. It's bigger than that. It's more than that. All right, second declaration he makes is, y'all are priests. Y'all are priests. What do you think about when you hear the word priest? I think about collars first. I'm like, you want to answer? What do you say? <laughs> I think about collars. That's what I think about. Because um, priests have collars, and I'm really disappointed because the Assemblies of God doesn't have sweet outfits like the Catholics do. <laughs> we, like, I got a T-shirt. Jeez. I need a collar someday. When I show up to, like, hospitals and say I'm a minister, they're usually like, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Like, I am, I am, please let me have free parking. <laughs> um, but the, our view oftentimes of priests is they're like, hey, it's just for reserved for a few. But that's not the reality, no. The Bible says, y'all are priests. Y'all, every single one of us. And I don't have time to dig into the depth. I mean, honestly, I could do like a five-part series on this text, but... The priest's first and foremost ministry is to the Lord. That's their ministry, to the Lord. Above everything else, their first purpose is to, to worship, to, to honor God. That was the role of the priest, okay? And so our primary audience of our lives is God. Our life's purpose is to minister to the Lord to recognize that he is the Lord. He is creator God. He is, he is the one in control. And more than just recognizing, it's choosing to live for him and to live for this kingdom that he has established, right? This, this principles and the, the values of the kingdom of God. We talked about it last fall as we walked through the Sermon on the Mount. That's what we're invited into, to live differently. That the first highest calling of our life is to honor God in everything that we do. And priests offer sacrifices, even talks about that. But what kind of sacrifice is the kind of sacrifice we're supposed to make before the Lord? Well, Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 12. 
And he says this in Romans chapter 12, verse one. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, because of his goodness, because what he has done for us, what he has provided for us, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So what is our calling? Our calling as believers is not just simply to try to be a good Christian. It is to say, God, how can we together function as priests whose primary goal is to honor and to worship you? And actually together, how can we embody your values? Like at Zoe Church, we're just a little piece of this bigger kingdom of God. And I say for us, how can we embody the values of the kingdom of God, the purposes of the kingdom of God? How can, how can we look different the way we interact, the way we care for one another, how can we look different than the rest of the world? How can we have a different king, right? We are priests of God Almighty. How can we operate differently that everything we do is for his glory? That's the invitation, okay? Y'all are God's temple. Y'all are priests. So the, God, the gospel invites us into this story that's something bigger. And again, fundamentally, it's not about you, but it is absolutely for you. And so I, what I want to do is I want to close um, with the final section of this passage, which is super, super powerful. If you got your Bibles, look with me at verse number nine, where it says this. It says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I wanna get to our big so what this morning. If you forget everything else I've shared, if you've been distracted, wake yourself up if you have to, okay? Zero back in, okay? The big so what this morning is this. In Christ, y'all have an incomparable and divine identity and purpose. In Christ, y'all have an incomparable and divine identity and purpose. The two biggest questions humanity asks are what? Who am I and why am I here? Who am I? Identity. Why am I here? purpose. And in this one verse, he speaks it to all of us. And it isn't just an identity that's just for you. No, it's an identity for all y'all, okay? This is something that God is inviting all of us into. And so there's five parts to the identity he packs into this verse. Part number one, y'all, okay? Your identity is not, oh, I'm just, some of you feel isolated. You feel like I'm all by myself. No, you're not. You're not. You've been invited into the kingdom of God. You've been invited into a body of believers, a family of God. All these words, you are not on your own. This is part of your identity. Anytime you feel like you're alone and the enemy is whispering that in the ear, you say, no, that's a lie from the pit of hell. No, I am a part of the community of God. I have a family. I have a father in heaven who loves me deeply. You remind yourself of the truth, okay? Y'all, the second part says this. It says, y'all are a chosen people. Chosen people. Some of you feel like you were the one that was never chosen. Think nobody cares about you, right? Sports came up, you were picked last. That's not what it looks like in the kingdom of God. No, y'all are chosen people. God has called you. And there is an intimacy to this. You're like, okay, Greg, you're saying y'all. He's calling this y'all, but he doesn't even know me. No, no, scripture says he knows every hair on your head. This is an intimate call, right? That's who you are. It says, y'all are a chosen people. You are a royal 
priesthood. Now that one's crazy. Y'all are royalty. It's royalty and a priesthood. Just understand, this is something that's given, your call. Like you don't just get to like, I'm gonna make myself royal. No, no, you, you get invited. Like you're the blood, right? And through Christ, we are given the status of being royal priesthood. Priesthood, you understand? The pri- there weren't a whole lot of priests and it took a whole lot to be a priest. They are the, this is like the ultimate insider. And remember, Peter is writing a bunch of believers who feel like outsiders. They're living in a world where everybody's considering them the cast off. We don't want anything to do with you. And he's saying, listen, you outsiders, you are the ultimate insiders in the kingdom of God. You are a royal priesthood. That's who you are. He goes on, he says, you are a holy nation. Holy nation. And I love this because this caught him saying this Like he's also confronting their sin in this book. So he's not saying you're a holy nation because you're always perfect. No, he's saying, this is who you are. This is the identity. This is what I give you. In Christ, this is your identity. And it's the the antithesis to religion because religion says, I'm gonna clean myself up so then maybe God will call me holy. But the kingdom of God says, no, you are called holy. Why don't you start living like it? Why don't you start living up to what God has made available to you, right? It's an invitation to something better. You don't have to just like fix yourself for God. No, no, God has already done the powering, lifting, right? Just step into what he's made for you. Step into what he's made available to you, all right? Holy nation, lastly, but you are God's special possession. Other translations say a people belonging to God. You are his. You are his. That's your identity. You are his children. You belong to him. Let that sink in for a moment. When you don't feel like anybody cares, you are his, okay? So God has given you this identity. It's incomparable, it's divine, but he has also given us a purpose. He's given us a purpose. And what is the purpose? Says this in a, the rest of the passage, it says that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He gave you all this stuff what, so you could do something with it to declare the praises of the translations, to declare the excellencies of who our God is. Hear this, the most freeing day in your life is the day you realize it's not about you. It will set you free. Because when we're living like, oh, it's, it's all up to me. I got to pull all this up. No, no, no. It's not about you. It's about him. And guess what? Your life doesn't have to be about fixating on your world anymore. It's that God, it's ultimately for your glory. Everything I have is to declare your praises, how you've set me free, how you've redeemed me, how powerful and great you are. Rather than stepping into the spotlight, I turn the spotlight on you, God, and I say, it's all about you. Trust me, it will set you free. There is life when you realize it's not all about you. You exist to declare His praises. And the good news of this, why is this purpose? Because when you understand this, suddenly you have purpose behind everything you do. The the dumb, menial, annoying things you have to do in life suddenly find purpose because my purpose is to honor God in everything that I do. Right, so I'm great. I'm a teacher. I'm great in papers. Guess what? I'm doing up to the glory of God. Right, I got to go to the grocery store today, and I got to. I don't want to. I don't want to go to the grocery store. Guess what? I'm going to go to the glory of God. I'm going to declare His praise wherever I am, that my life would honor and reflect His goodness and His greatness. That job, that dead end job that you don't like. Guess what? You have purpose there, right? You have purpose there because God has sent you there 
with a purpose. And guess what? You get to declare the goodness of who He is. You get to reach people you can never reach any other way, right? Like this is the good news. You've been invited to a life filled with divine identity and purpose in everything, in every way. The gospel isn't self-help. Okay, get out of the self-help section. It's not self-help. It is so much better than that. 10 years ago, 11 years ago, I had the privilege of going to Israel and I got to go to the Dead Sea. Any of you ever been to the Dead Sea before? A couple of you have been to the Dead Sea. Okay, if you don't know, the Dead Sea is the lowest point uh, in the earth. Like it's the lowest elevation on earth. And the reason it's the Dead Sea is because water comes in and never leaves. Got nowhere to drip, can't go down anywhere, right? It's there. So the water is filled with minerals and toxins and all this stuff. Nothing is alive. If fish flows in a stream into there, it dies very quickly, right? The reason you float is because the water is so much heavier than your body, it pushes you up to the top. Like it's gross. There's no outlet. And I think for a lot of believers, their faith looks like the Dead Sea. It becomes all about us. It's all about me, all about me, all about me. How does this thing fix my life and make me better? And it's putrid. It's dead. It's toxic. It's not, it's not the life, the Zoe life we talk about here. It's not that because it's, it's become all about us. But when Jesus talks about the gospel, what does he say? It's like streams and rivers of living water. That's what the gospel is. The gospel is an invitation to say, hey, come jump in the river. And guess what? Your life's gonna be transformed. God's gonna do a work in you, but guess what? It doesn't end with you. It flows through you. You get to be a part of the stream that's transforming the world and ushering the full glory of God's kingdom on earth. And this is something we get to be a part of. One day we'll step into the eternal kingdom, but today the invitation stands. Would you join? Would you, would you come join what I'm doing? I mean, I'll, I'll impact what you're doing, sure. But would you join what I'm doing? Because until you're willing to join what I'm doing, you've made yourself king and Lord and not me. But when I'm king and Lord, that's when the good stuff comes. That's where the life is. But you gotta step in. So there's some of you here this morning, to be honest, you've never stepped in, you've never responded. How do we respond? The scripture, the passage you just said, what do we need to do? It says in verse six, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. Who is that? Christ, Christ. He is the cornerstone. He is the foundation. He is the one, he says, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. The one who believes, puts our faith and trust in Jesus. That's where our hope is at. Some of you this morning, maybe for the very first time, maybe for the first time in a long time, you need to surrender your heart to Christ, I'll give you a chance to do that. Some of you, maybe you need, to, you need to stop trying to add Jesus to your life and you need to say, God, I'm gonna give you my life. I'm gonna give you a chance to do that as well. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes across the room? Father, we thank you for the invitation to something better. We thank you that you are calling us to a point of response. Lord, I just pray, God, that you would make us increasingly dissatisfied with a worldly view of the gospel. And instead you would give us your view of the gospel, one that is grander, more beautiful, fuller, richer, Lord God. Thank you for that, Jesus. With every head bow and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you would say, you know what? I've never surrendered my life to Jesus. Maybe I've tried to put him, Jesus in my pocket like a genie, but I've never surrendered my life to Christ. I've never made him my cornerstone in my life. I've never offered my and surrendered my life like that. 
maybe it's been a long time and, and this morning you wanna respond to Jesus, you wanna experience the life that comes through Christ, this incomparable identity and purpose. If that's you this morning with every head bow and every eye closed, would you just lift a hand across the room and say, that's me. I need to respond to Jesus today. I need to respond to the truth this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna give a moment if there's others, yeah. Yeah, don't let this moment pass. Say, God, we wanna offer ourselves to you. If you're online, I encourage you to respond as well. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. There was a number of people that raised their hand. I would encourage uh, if you just wanna respond, just respond in your heart as I, as I pray out loud right now. Jesus, I thank you so much that you love and pursue me. I thank you for that. I thank you, Jesus, that you are inviting me into your kingdom and your way of doing things, Lord. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and my sin stands in the way, but God, I, I, I ask that you would forgive me. I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died and that he rose again. And I confess Jesus as Lord of my life. I don't add Jesus to my life. I give my life to you, Jesus. I pray that you would help me to live for your kingdom, to live as a, a living stone, as a part of your body and your family. Pray that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We're gonna to continue to respond for a moment. I'm gonna invite you all to stand across the room. Jesus, I just want us to, with every, I want you to still have your eyes closed, head bowed just for a moment. And if you're, uh, if you're here this morning, you just say, man, I, I think I've been making this faith thing about me a little bit. And I just need to have a moment of surrender again. With heads bowed and eyes closed across the room, just as an act of surrender to Jesus, say, God, I wanna to surrender to you again this morning. Help me to make this thing more about you, less about me. If that's just you, you need to have a response there. Just lift a hand across the room right now. Say, God, help me. Yeah. God, this would be for your kingdom. God, would my life be for your kingdom? God, I pray for every single one of us. God, we'd get our eyes on you to glorify you, to worship you in all that we are, Lord. God, I pray that we would step in, jump into the river, the streams of living water, that your water would refresh us, but God, it would flow through us. God, that we would reach those around us. This gospel isn't just for me, it's for the world. And so God, help us to be conduits of that grace, Lord Jesus, we pray. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.